0: Let us pray. Shatter the silence, mighty God, with your glad and glorious greetings. Banish all our fears and give us faith in Jesus Christ, the risen Lord. If there is anything said from this pulpit that is against your will, let it come to naught and do no harm. But if there is anything said from this pulpit that is according to your will, let it be heard as if sung by the voice of angels, that hearing we might believe and believing obey. Amen. In my final year of seminary, in my final semester of seminary, I was fortunate to study with Dr. Donald Caps. Dr. Caps was an accomplished pastoral theologian with at least 30 authored books and countless articles on his resume. In 1981, he joined Princeton Theological Seminary, the finest theological seminary in the land, and in 2006, which was my final year of seminary, Dr. Capps was easing his way into retirement which is one reason, but I don't think it was the only reason I think that he kicked off his first lecture of the semester by saying, you will all be given the grade of A at the end of this semester. All right. I'm gonna let you imagine how your pastor managed the rest of that semester with Dr. Donald Caps? How could he do that? How could he forfeit the responsibility of evaluation bestowed upon him by the great traditions of the academy? How could he do that? I'll tell you how. I think Dr. Caps, the phenomenal pastoral mind that he was, he is since deceased, could see something that most of us failed and continue to fail to see. And that is that evaluation is often not so much a privilege as it is a game. to put people in their place, a game at best, and at worst it's a disease. How's the disease in you? I wish I could tell you that the disease wasn't in me. I wish I could give you one person that you knew that was not diseased by the need to be in constant, in a constant state of evaluation, but I have to tell you I can't remember the last time I listened to a sermon without asking myself if it adequately met all the objectives found in the Nate Phillips rubric for good preaching. And you are doing the same thing to me right now. I'm so tired of that in myself. I just want to listen to a sermon. Aren't you tired of it? I'm tired. I bet you are tired of it. And I bet you're tired too of watching the people like I am, watching the people I love living under the weight of this disease. The disease of evaluation. One that has people walking around and seeing themselves as a failure. In their eyes, in the eyes of their peers, and in God's eyes. I'm tired of hearing confessions like one. I remember this, this girl at, at camp where I was di- directing one summer, standing in the middle of the dining hall, closing her eyes and confessing to the entire group of teenagers, I don't know where I stand with God. How is God evaluating me?" And the other kids nodded with her, they wanted to know. And she was saying what most of us are saying. Maybe even right now if we stop and reflect, I don't know where I stand with God. If God's like school or like the marketplace or like mom and dad, if God is anything like the people that I'm around most of the time, I don't know where I stand with God. And we we do think, we actually know that God is like all of the people that were around most of the time. And we know this because it's in the Bible. We learn about God like this. It's right there in the Bible passage that Pastor Jasmine read this morning. It's right there when Jesus tells this story about a slave master who hands out talents to the slaves. It's right there. Think about it like money. God is handing out this money. He's the slave master, right? Handing out this money to the slaves. Some get more and some get less, but that's just life. It's how it goes. Just accept it. The first one gets the most. And you can tell just by looking at him that he deserves the most. He has good hair, always has. He smiles at just the right time and in just the right way. He can be trusted to make good for sure. And the second one too, the second one's given a fair share. It's believed that he or she can manage this share because she has a college education. She knows about good manners. And if worse comes to worse, she can call home to mom and dad who will help with the managing. Though she would hate it if I told you that. The third one, though, is a total mess. We don't know why. The third one's easy to recognize, though, because There's a little bit of the third one that lives in each of us. The third one is the one most likely to be asking the question, where do I stand with God? And so the third one is given so very little because that's all she can handle, obviously. Then see how it turns out, just like we knew it would. The slave master comes home after a long and well-deserved trip abroad and checks in with each of the slaves. He meets with the first slave and that slave gives him that perfectly flashed and perfectly timed smile. Well done, good and faithful servant. He meets with the second slave, and that slave stands up tall next to her work. Well done, good and faithful servant. Then, with a resigned dread in his step, he sighs and comes alongside that third slave, whose only effort toward the investment was almost too pathetic to even share. Who knows why? And the slave master kicks at the dirt and fumes. From our distance We can see his face turn red and he throws his hands up in the air and at first we can only hear muttering and then he raises his voice as for this worthless slave, he says, throw him into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. What a disappointment. What a disappointment. What a disappointment. And this And this story is our great proof that evaluation is not a disease because look, God does it too, just like we do. Because it's obvious that God is the slave master in the story and we are the slaves assigned to do whatever we can with whatever we've been given to avoid the epic harshness of an all-powerful God who is quite rightly disappointed in us. Unless, of course, we keep reading. We keep reading. Nothing says we have to stop there. The NRSV cuts it and and puts a little title in there for us, but Jesus didn't do that. Keep reading. Because even though the disease of evaluation that lives inside of us seduces us to stop reading right there, right, where our ideology, our worldview, and our disease is actually affirmed, right there where the third slave is punished, as probably he should be, Jesus doesn't stop talking there. and it took me a minute to see it and you're not going to see it because it's not even in your translation. I had to go to the Greek to find it and only then did I notice that our translation left something very important out an entire word a small word but it is a word and I don't know why you don't get it. Very few English translations leave it in. It's a small word, but it's an important word, and the word is, but. Why is it so important? Oh, because Jesus tells this whole story of the slaves and the slave master and evaluation. And then in the next verse verse 31 he says but and then goes on to illustrate an entirely new vision for how it's going to be when the Son of Man comes Jesus isn't saying that God is a slave master Jesus is saying that's how we are this is how we function He's telling us something about how we understand the world. He's holding it up to us. He's doing what the knight of mirrors in Don Quixote does. He's showing us what we really are, exposing our foolishness, exposing our facade. That's what Jesus is doing in the story of the slave master. But he says, when the son of man comes and when the kingdom of God is enfleshed, when the world is put to rights, but it's When all the angels come with him, then he will sit on the throne of his glory and all the nations will be gathered with him. And this is a very different story altogether, isn't it? Because in the Greek it says the ethne will be gathered with him. Which is the Greek way of saying that all the people will be gathered with him. The people with the flashy smile, the people with the privileges of a stable family and a solid education, and the people that have been considered for their whole lives as failures and disappointments, they're all going to be gathered with him. The diseased world is harsh it throws the disappointments and the failures among us into the outer darkness but God's got a different way a better way where all the people have been gathered in and then the evaluation of our lives will be as Matthew goes on there in the 25th chapter, dependent on how we took care of the hungry and the lost and the thirsty and the imprisoned. It won't be for us as individuals how well we managed our many gifts and built our portfolios It won't be for us as a church how we grew our endowment or took care of our priceless art. When the Son of Man comes in the most important moment of all of our existence, all he will want to know is what did you do for the least of these? On another night at camp, I had a conversation with that same girl. The one who said, I don't know where I stand with God. And she said, can I ask you a question? And I said, shoot. And she said, why did you become a minister? And I said, I don't know. Ask me in 20 years. I did. I went on to tell her my faith story. and, And then I answered a question... That she didn't ask. I told her why I stay a minister and why I think this is important, what we do. I stay a minister for a lot of reasons. Not to run the church business, I can tell you that. Not because I'm worried about the opinion of the slave master but because when the girl confesses that she feels like a failure, that she doesn't know where she stands with God, and she and those like her have read stories about God like the one we read today, the story of the slaves where it seems like God is the slave master, I can tell her, keep reading. Because almost immediately we find that God's evaluation doesn't work like the in-crowds and the companies and anybody that's called you a failure in your life works. Keep reading because in Jesus, God endured the disease of evaluation himself, endured it once and for all for the sake of us all. Keep reading because like most of us, Jesus was a failure too, dead on the cross, buried even, until he wasn't. Keep reading. Keep reading. Because if there's one thing the resurrection tells us, it's that God's got a different way of evaluating. A way quite unlike any other way. Unless, of course, you are the extraordinary and astonishing Dr. Donald Caps. Amen.